Good morning, everybody. Today, Bezat Hashem, will be learning Daflamid Gimel Masechas Bavakama. And we were discussing the topic of accidental uh, death due to negligent behavior uh, that caused damage. So we're eight lines down in the wide, Lamed Bezim and Bez, and we have Sugis and Makos. And the Sugi goes like this Mesve, right? We have a Mishnah in Makos. Hazorikas Evan Lishus Rabin Viharag. So a person does something. Ridiculous and negligent. Throws, thr- starts throwing stones into Rishus Rabim. So uh, somebody gets killed. What's the, uh, what's the halacha reza gola? So this is actually amazing. That he goes into golas. Why is it amazing? Because normally when you go into golas, that's supposed to be for an accidental death. Accidental in the sense that you couldn't have expected it, not totally uh, out of the blue, but this is, this should not have been coming as a surprise to anyone. If someone's just throwing stones into Rosh Hashanah, it's very likely that he's going to hit someone. And so the Gemara asks, Why is this person going into Gullus? After all, we said yesterday that if it's accidental, but so likely that you're going to hit somebody, in other words, right, he didn't have a target-specific person that he was actually trying to, to hit, but he should have known. It's Karav Lamezid. He should have known that somebody was likely to get hurt. And therefore, he should not have the benefit of Galatz at all, right? Because he should have been mindful of the fact that there are going to be people in Rishus Rabim, and yet still the Mishnah surprisingly says that he gets the benefit of having the atonement that comes with Galatz. The case is not what you think. It's not some nundik just throwing rocks um, it is, in fact, somebody trying to do construction. He was dismantling the wall and throwing them uh, not as carefully as he should have into the Shusarabim, but it wasn't just like chucking stones at the Shusarabim. He was just trying to um, dismantle like the retaining wall around his property, and that's a different thing. There he really is closer to just uh, accidental negligence. So the Gemara says, Iune. Okay, I understand, but you should have at least watched what you were doing. I mean, you're throwing stones from a retaining wall. That could hurt somebody. Right? So he was dismantling at night, and therefore it's not common to be people to be there. He was actually trying to do it, you know, the road construction, as it were, during off hours, thinking that there's going to be less traffic and therefore less likelihood to, to uh, hurt somebody. So the Gemara Belayla, not me, unit. Yeah, okay. But still, people could be walking by. You should have looked. At, you should have checked to see uh, whether the people were there. Says the Gemara, no. But so says It's a different case. The case is it's during the day, but he's doing it into throwing it into like the uh, trash bin. Well, the trash bin doesn't have people in it, so he really wasn't throwing it in the direction of people. Says the Gemara, wait a minute. Is that what you mean? Hi, Ashba Hechi Dami. Wait a minute. If you're throwing it into a trash bin without people, then maybe it's really like totally. On us, maybe it's such so uh, such a remote thing that you don't even get gullus because it's as we said, gullus is only for the sweet spot. <laughs> gullus you only get if it's likely enough that you could have reason that it's not like totally shocking that it happened, right? If it's a real, real fluke, then you don't get gullus either because you don't need the kapara because it really uh, was like uh, something that you could have never expected. Then you don't get gullus either because you don't need the kapara. If it's really, really likely to be like, uh, so likely that it's made like throwing stones or just rob him, then you don't get the benefit of Kapar. Gullus is when it's a, like half and half, somewhere in between. So 
The Ashba, how does it fit? Asks the Gemara. There are tons of people there. So then, meaning, what are they doing in the, in the, in the Ashba? Well, there were uh, areas in those days, culturally, where people would go and relieve themselves. It would be like an outhouse type of situation. And they would do so in the day, they would do so in the night, as we'll see. So if it's a place where people can be expected to be, so then, of course, it's like Kar of the Maze. It would be like throwing it in a Tertius of and therefore it should be Chayv. And he, in other words, he shouldn't go to Gaulus because he shouldn't even get the benefit of the atonement. And if it's a place where people don't ever go, and it's that kind of garbage heap, so then it's so unlikely that a human, what would a human being doing in the garbage heap? Then it's still totally honest, and he still should not require Gaulus. So Amar Papa, Papa resolves it, and he says, So this is what I was referring to before. It's the kind of uh, dump where people actually go sometimes at night to relieve themselves and yet they don't do it during the day. That's not the kind of place that you, it's too exposed for going during the day, but at night people would sometimes go there. And occasionally some people would come during the day just in that sweet spot. So therefore, so again, what is he doing? He's throwing it there during the day. So he's not really amazed because hardly anybody ever goes there during the day. But on but it's also not like a complete fluke because there are occasionally some situations where there is somebody there during the day and therefore it's right in that sweet spot and it is for that reason, that he gets the benefit of Gullah's fine. Um, this, is, this is what um, Elizabeth, New Jersey used to be. No, I'm just kidding. But, uh, people from Elizabeth don't like to hear that it's built on a trash heap. Okay. Rav Papa Mishmeid, Rav Papa Mishmeid, the Rav of Masnei Okay, let's look at uh, another version of Rabbi Yosef Rechanin over here, as follows. This is a statement that said before. Uh, in the, he said that his, it, was, it was regarding the first case of the bride. So let, let, let's see exactly what it means, as follows. This is going back to going into the, the store, the carpenter. So here we have a slightly different case. Says, what was the ratio? Right, that was at the two dots. The Tanar Banan was a Nichnas the Chanusa Shalnagar Shalobar Shus. A person goes into the carpenter's place. That's what it, that's what we were saying. Uh, the first version, right? And and you walk into the carpenter's place, and Rachman and, and you get injured and, and you die. So then we said, if he goes with permission, so then he's Chayev. And Yosi Barchanina said, what's the Chayev? Chayev is. That the store owner is chayev for injury. In other words, if there was, uh, if if he just got injured, he'd be chayev in the daladvarim, right, and all the damages. However, he doesn't get gullus because it's not domaliyar. That is the case. Uh, that is what Rabbi Yosef said. That if, he, if a person gets killed going into, right, going into the carpenter store, right, then he's not. Then he's going to be putter. The carpenter will be uh, putter from gullus. Okay. Now that's if he's that's if he goes from uh, right that that that's if he goes Bershus. In other words, Rabbi Yosef Rachanina in the first version said that there is no scenario where the carpenter is going to be chayev to go to Gullus. The only chayev he'll have is for damages. So let's see what he says in this second case as follows: Same case. You walk into the carpenter store and somebody gets and you get something in the face and you die. Potter. Okay, so that's what we said before. The carpenter is, is not chayev. Rabbi Yosef said, 
Yechayev and Arba Dvarim, and Pater Migalas. Okay. So, so in this particular case, Manda Masala is safe for Kosher Kenerasha. If you teach it in the last case, now the difference is that in the first case was Imnichnas Birshus. Right? Here, we never get into Nichnas Birshus. So, so, if you say it in this case, so Kosher Kenerasha, right? Because after all, that's the difference. In this version, there is no scenario of Nichnas Birshus. So, and yet still we say that the what? The, the carpenter, morning, that the carpenter is potter. So certainly, if without coming in Bershus, again, what's happening? There's a visitor. The visitor's coming in, and he gets, and he, and he gets killed, basically. So according to Rabbi Yossi even if the visitor came invited, like where's Bershus, the carpenter is potter. So all the more so, right, if you say that he's potter, even in the case where he didn't come Bershus, so of course he's going to be uh, potter in a case where he came in Bershus. However, man the masal da'arisha avalasefa came in shush chayev galus, right? So if you only learned the second version over here, so then of course the first version he's going to be pata. But if you only learned the first version that we learned at the two dots at the top of lamed beis and beis, then you would have thought that in this case he would have been chayev galus. So it's good to learn. Uh, so so anyway, so those are two versions of when the carpenter would be pata. Now the question is four lines up from the bottom of lamed beis and beis and chayev galus. Wait a minute. Are you going to say, okay, so we just established that if all we learned was the first version from the top, from the two dots, then the only case where the carpenter would be chayev, that there is a case where the carpenter would be chayev galos. When would be chayev galos? If a person just entered, right, without rishus and just entered into the store, he'd be chayev galos. Okay. Is that true? Now, that was in the case of a carpenter, but we learned the brysa with respect to a glass or blacksmith, let's say. So we say that there's a case where if somebody comes and gets something in the face and dies accidentally, right, at a blacksmith, then even if he goes in Bershus, right, so then, he, then the um, blacksmith's going to be potter from. Gullus. Ask the Gemara, and the Gemara. So it sounds like, right, the, from the word vafilu, right, that no matter what happens, the blacksmith is going to be potter from Gullus. So We say in that case, with the second brisa, is where the person who walked in was not a regular average person, but rather he was the blacksmith's apprentice. If the blacksmith's apprentice, so then the blacksmith does not have to go to Gullus. Why is that? Why would you say that? Does if you hit the blacksmith's apprentice, does he not? If you prick him, does he not bleed? In other words, it is are you going to say that he's like a dead man just because he's the blacksmith's apprentice, and therefore, uh, the, for that reason, the blacksmith doesn't have to go to Gullah? Says the Gemara, It's an unusual case. In other words, it's not that he deserves to die, the apprentice, but the teacher was telling him, you better get out of here. It's about to get hot and heavy in here. You could get hurt. And he just simply doesn't listen. So because of that, the Rav, meaning the master, the blacksmith, is not going to be culpable. Says Gemara, I understand that the master asked him to leave, but does that mean that he's not culpable for anything that happens? After all, right? It's not as if the apprentice deserves to die and stands to be killed. Says the Gemara, yeah, I understand, but it... 
removed the culpability from the blacksmith because the blacksmith asked him to leave and he thought that he had left. And then he started doing his blacksmith work and therefore it became an onus where such, such a case that is so remote then so accidental that he would not have to go to Gullus. So the Gemara, Well, if he thought that nobody was there, so then why are we using specifically the case of the apprentice? Right? It would be true of anybody who would walk in. It would be considered an honest. As we arrive at Given Al-Banalaf, it says, Yeah, if somebody else, right, walked in, he said, come on, get out of here, come on, get out of here, he would not fear the blacksmith because he does not really, right, owe him anything. He's not grading him for anything. He's not relying on him for anything. And therefore, he's just maybe not going to take him as seriously. And in that case, maybe the blacksmith would be culpable because he knows that just because he tells him to get out doesn't mean that he'll listen because he doesn't realize how serious this blacksmith business really is. But the apprentice should know better, right? The apprentice, he can assume the, that the apprentice left the premises because he has to listen to everything the master says. Otherwise, the blacksmith says, Otherwise, he's not going to learn the craft and he has to be more deferential. And it's for that reason that the blacksmith can assume that specifically his apprentice would leave when asked to leave. And it's for that reason that he, in that specific case, he's not going to be culpable uh, for Gullus because he's going to, he can't assume that, the, uh, that he left. And therefore, the mishap was a true case of honest and there's no Gullus for the blacksmith. So that was version number two of Yossi Bachanina's statement. Now two lines down. We're going to go to the third version. Here we go. He learned the statement the following. The expression right, that we find right, in the Torah when it comes to the guy, uh, the Gullus. The, again, the Gullus, the classic Pasuk is in Dvarim where in a forest, that the Right, the axe unfortunately finds Re'ehu and the accidental death occurs. So Prat Lemamsit Atmo. Matzah is proactive, right? It is excluding a case where you throw something, let's say you're 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 doing archery or whatever, and and somebody super irresponsible decides it's funny to stick their head in front of the target. Right? After you've already shot the arrow, a guy comes in. And, and sticks his neck out into the path of the, of the arrow. So that, you would, the shooter of the arrow, in this case, would not get gullus for, right? Because all he was doing was doing archery. He had no idea, no reason to know. You know presumably that would be true. If somebody's just driving, they're not texting, they're not doing anything. They're driving. Somebody jumps out from the sidewalk unexpectedly onto the path. So that's not, that's honest, right? Nobody can even account for that happening. They saw his face there. Right. Next thing you see is, is the face on the windshield, Rahman al Tzlan. So it should never happen. So Mikan Amar Rabbi Lazar ben Yaakov, Mishi Yotzta Evan Mitachas Yodav, Hotzi Halas Roshavikibla, right? So again, a person uh, throws a rock at something um, where there's no reason to believe that anybody's going to be there, and somebody else sticks their neck in and, and, and takes one in the head, Potter. The thrower is going to be Potter. So Amar Rabbi Yosef and it's in that case where Yosef Hanina say, he doesn't have to go to Gullus, that's true. But of course, the injury you're going to have to pay for. That's what Arbor means, right? So that's, that's fine. In other words, if there's death, he would not have to go to Gullus. But if there's injury, then he would have to pay for, for, for that's what we've said. Because for Nazikin, what, Barry? Adam right? When it comes to Nazikin, we're always paying for the damages, okay? So now, regarding these different versions of the statement of Hanina, Rabbi Yosef 
we say the following: Right? Anyone who teaches this brisa, right, it'll certainly re- regard to the first brisas, right, the first versions regarding the carpenter. Why? Because if he's chayiv nezek for guy stick, this now we're not talking about the gullus, we're talking about the nezek. If he's chayiv nezek for the guy sticking his neck out, he's certainly going to be chayiv nezek in the case of a carpenter, which is a totally right likely scenario that somebody's going to get hurt. Because we're talking about blacksmith and carpenters and stuff flying all over the place. But if you learn the blacksmith stuff and he's saying that, uh, that there you have to pay the damages of Allah, Pater Legamre. Here you might even say that he's even Pater from paying for the injury. This would be a case where it's totally honest. Wow. In other words, a Kamaisa, if you teach it concerning the, the, um, the, I would say, no, what it means is like this, because there's three cases. The first case is the carpenter, the second case is the blacksmith, and the third case is the, what we'll call the archer, okay, the archery. So the archery is fundamentally different than the blacksmith and the carpenter, because the archery, when there's no reason to expect that anybody would be there and throw themselves in the path, right? And therefore, that might be a case where you're even putter, if you weren't aware of the case, and all you learned was the blacksmith and the carpenter, so you say, of course, the blacksmith and the carpenter, you're going to have to pay for damages, right? Because it's like the cost of doing business, right? Somebody gets hurt, you're paying for those damages. There is some likelihood that it'll happen. But if all you're doing is you're, you're out there in an archery, right, retreat with work, and somebody sticks their head in, then you don't even pay for damages, because you literally did nothing, right? So there are cases, even though Adamud Olam, right, that's the Chiddush here, that there are cases such as the archery, right, where you aren't even paying for damages because it's literally just, uh, the guy did it to himself, right? He stuck his neck into the bullseye. Who does that, right? So that's the, uh, that, that, that is a, a Chiddush indeed because after all, right, uh, normally we say Adamud Olam, right? So, uh, so that's the, so, so that's the case. Um, there's a hak here. There's a hak here. The Ramam holds that you would not, that the archer would not be chayev. Beis Yosef is, is saying that, that it's, it's some um, derivation of the idea of the pasuk of a matzah. A matzah, really, it's talking about gullus, right? Because again, there's two different things here, Barry. There's the gullus and there's the, and the, in the case of death, and then there's the damages in the case of uh, injury. So, is in Matzah talking about the death or injury. So the context of the Pasuk is really the death. But you could extend it to injury as well, uh, is a Chiddush of the Rambam. That's how Beis Yosef understands it. But that's, that, that, that is a Chiddush indeed, okay? So that, that if we want, that is a Tzarech Ian right there, okay? Now, uh, again, is that the reason? Or is it because of it's, it's fully on us? That, that's, you could look at the Beis Yosef and the Bach there. Andrew, look at the Beis Yosef and the Bach. Get back to us tomorrow, please. Okay. Ten lines down. Okay, what's going on here? Going back to cases that are similar more to case one and two, the carpenter and the blacksmith. You have workers. And what are they coming to do? They're coming to get their paycheck. So, they go to the boss's house. The boss isn't expecting them. He's got a pit bull <laughs> uh, or a pit, a pit bull. See what I did there? <laughs> or a bull. And, and he gores them. Or the pit bull. Right? He either has a bull or a pit bull. Uh, okay, so 
eats the eats the workers coming for their check. Potter. So the employer, he had no reason to expect them. He's he's Potter. What are you doing trespassing in my property? However, in that Brisa, there's the Acherim who say that it is common and likely for workers to come get their paycheck. And therefore, an owner can't just have a pit bull uh, laying there. There is some level of culpability because there's some degree uh, where he could have an expectation of them coming. And therefore, he does. Uh, let's, let's see the case. You know, if the employer is usually there and they, it's common for them to come for, and get their uh, wages, right? And he's usually home. And in fact, what? He's at work a lot also. In other words, he's accessible. You don't have to go into his house and, and take your paycheck from his kitchen counter. You, he's home. That's the, that's the case, right? Now, if he's usually home, then Acherim have no business, right, justifying the workers coming in and taking their paychecks off his kitchen counter. They could just, you know, be normal people, find out when he's home, knock, you know, knock on the door, and, right, the case is they're coming through the back door, getting the paycheck off the kitchen counter unannounced and getting mauled by the pit bull. So why do Acherim say, Right, that he's chayiv. They have no right to trespass and go into his kitchen to get the, 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 their paycheck. So if, that's, if the case is that he's home and they just didn't ring the doorbell, then he should have no culpability at all. However, my time at Tanakama. Right? In other words, but, so, okay. Nasa is the town. Okay, Masa's the town means they could have gone anywhere to the office and gotten it. They didn't have to go to his home. Yiddishchich Babais means he's at home. And then my town at the Tanakama, they, it's okay that they came to his house. Okay, so let me explain it. Uh, I don't know if I explained it clearly the first time. Again, there's two places you can go to get your paycheck. You can get it at the, ho- at the office or you can get it at the house. If he's usually in the office, you should have gone to the office and therefore you shouldn't go to the house. And if you go to the house, then you go at your own risk and the pit bull should eat you. And therefore the acherim don't have any justification. That's what it means. Okay. Whereas if you go to, if he's usually home and that's where he's doing all his business, he works from home since COVID and he's never in the office. So then of course it's fine that you went to the house and therefore what would be the reason they should be, uh, right? Why, why uh, should they be, uh, why should the um, uh, balabais not be, because after all, that's where else are they supposed to get their paycheck? That's what it means. Where else are they supposed to get their paycheck if, in fact, he's home? That's the reason they came, and it makes sense. So the Gemara has to explain that here's the following case. I got a little ahead of myself. This is the case. Lo. The case is sometimes he's in the office and sometimes he's home. And what happened? Ah, a very specific case, okay? Sometimes he's home, sometimes in the office. So therefore, in that case... They're going to the home under the assumption that that's where he is. He's not always there, but they want to know if he's there. So what they do is they come to his house and they say, hello, yuhu. And he says, yes. And now there's a machlokas. Mar savar ein ul tamashma. Yes is ambiguous. Does yes mean, yes, can I help you? Stay right there. Don't come in. Okay. Mar savar. Uh, or, or, well, the first case is the opposite. In other words, Masavar ain't 
Tamashma. Then when he says yes, he means yes, come in, right? That, that's what yes means. Yes is ambiguous. Right? And then the Tanakama holds that in means yes, can I help you? Stay right there. It doesn't mean come in. It means like, what are you doing there? Who is this? Right? Stay where you are. I'm going to come to you. That is the Machloka. So again, Barry. The workers show up at the house. They don't know if he's there or not. So they go, yoo Okay. And he says, yes, can I help you? So if that means that's, that's an invitation for them to come in. So then, of course, they, when they come in and they get mauled by his pit bull, so then, of course, he's going to be responsible because he just invited them in. And if yes, can I help you means don't go anywhere, stay right there, I'll come to you. Then when they come in, they're essentially trespassing, in which case the owner is not going to be responsible for them getting mauled by the pit bull. Oh, that's the machlokas. So it's funny. It sounds like it's a machlokas about uh, the culpability of the, of the boss. And yet, it's really a machlokas about what does it mean when the boss says, yes, can I help you? Okay. What, Barry? No, I, I think he's, he's just saying one word. That's what makes it so ambiguous. If right. he says, yes, can I help you, then he's not answering the implied question, can I come in? So you're saying, you're saying I'm reading too much into it, that maybe yes, can I help you would be different than just yes. Yeah. It could be. Um, right, I was trying to make it relatable by saying that he's saying something that can be understood in both ways, and who just says yes? But I guess you're right. I mean, certainly if he said yes, that's the case, right? What would be the case if he had said yes, can I help you? Maybe it would not be subject to the same locus. Okay, fair enough, Barry. I appreciate that. Okay, so now, the, the Gemara is going to say, Tanya, kum mashma. The Brisa, just before we get to the Mishnah, gives a source of a Brisa which thinks that if he just says yes, it implied don't go anywhere, don't come in. It just implies yes, stay where you are. What's the Brisa? It follows the Tanya, Polish, Nicholas, Nicholas, right? Worker comes to get his paycheck from the Balabais. He comes to the house, and he's uh, killed by either his bull or his pit bull, Potter, Afal, Pichin, Nicholas, Peshus. The employer is going to be Potter, even if the guy comes into his kitchen to get the paycheck. Am I Potter? Why is the employer Potter? It's not necessary. So, there, the, the reason why it says that is because the worker called at the door and the employer just said the very ambiguous, as Barry said, yes. And you can learn from that that when a person says yes, it means stay where you are. And if that's what the bracelet must mean, so, so it sounds like it follows the Tanakama, right, that, um, that in fact it is for that reason that he's going to be chayev, because it implies come in. Whereas if you held that it means, uh, that it means um, yes, right, and right, it implies stay where you are, right, it implies stay where you are, and it is for that reason that he's not chayev, right, he's putter, right, whereas if it had meant come in, then of course he would be chayev. Very good. Okay, the Mishnah on Lama Gimel. Shnei shvarim. Tamin shechav Okay, so now Andrew and Barry's bulls were never really hurt anybody. But now they're horsing around and, and they get injured. So mishalmin b'moyser chatzinezek. What happens is like this. What's the moyser, okay? In this case, Andrew's bull is going to be worth $200 and Barry's bull is going to be worth $100. So let's say they both sustain whatever, uh, 50, 
dollars worth of damage, right? Or if one, so so then it just cancels each other out, right? In other words, nobody's gonna have to pay anybody because you both hit each other the same amount, right? But forget about the the value of your respective bulls. Let's say Barry's, albeit cheaper but much more aggressive uh, bull, is a better fighter. Um, injures Andrew's bull by a lot more, right? So now, so let's say Barry's bull costs, uh, um, and actually causes $100 worth of damage to Andrew's bull. And Andrew's bull only causes $50 worth of damage to Barry's bull. So now the first $50 cancels out and Barry owes Andrew the difference, right? He owes him $50. Get it? Now that, Extra is called the moiser. That's the leftover, right? The first 50 cancels out, and the remaining 50 is what Barry has to pay. And as we will see, if Barry's short, the paying, uh, the, the ball of the paying bull, in other words, the owner of the bull that causes more damage, is going to either pay Chatsi Nezik in the case of a Tam, or he's going to pay Nezik Shalim in the case of a Muad. Right? That's all that means. That in the case of a Tam or in the case of a Muad, you're going to pay the difference. And it's going to be either the full difference if it's a Muad or half of the difference if it's a Tam. That's what's going on in this mission. As follows. Okay, so the two bulls are fighting and there's damage. So Barry's bull obviously causes a lot more damage. So he's going to pay the difference, but only Chatzinezek because his shore was a Tam. If both shores were repeat offenders, Mishal Vimoisa and Nezek Shalim. So then Barry's going to have to pay the Nezek Shalim for the excess damages. So if there was a, right, Tam versus a Muad, then Muad, Basam, Shalim, Bimoisa, Nezek Shalim. So of course, if Barry's shore happens to be the Muad and he, pay, and he causes more damage, he's going to pay Nezek Shalim for that difference. However, Tam, Bimuad, Mishalim, Bimoisa, Chatsi, Nezek. Barry's shore always seemed to be the more placid one, and he's a first-time offender, but guess what? He mauled Andrew's shore, but good, and, and caused a lot more damage to Andrew's shore than Andrew's actual um, repeat offending shore caused. And therefore, again, because Barry's the one that caused more damage, he's the one that has to pay the access, and because his shore was a first-time offender, he's only going to have to pay the chatzinezek, okay? So it all just follows the same halacha that the offending one that causes more damage pays other nezek shalim or nezek depending on whether he's tam or muad. And similarly, the Mishnah continues to say, We know that uh, human beings are considered muad la'olam. So if two people are fighting, so again, the nezek cancels out, but you pay nezek shalim because again, an Adam, Adam is muad la'olam as the Mishnah continues to say. So that's the case. And then the Mishnah continues to say, Adam Muad Muad Adam. So here a man is fighting a an animal, right? A Muad animal. So Mishalm Bimaisa Nezek Shalim. Well, an, a man is a Muad animal in a sense, right? And a man is always considered Muad. And the animal that he's fighting in that sense is considered Muad. You pay whoever gets injured uh, more, you have to pay. And you have to pay Nezek Shalim because it's a payment of a Muad. Adam Bisam Bisam Adam. But if a man is up against a first-time offending animal and there's injury that goes on, Adam Shalem. So there, of course, because Adam is Mu'ad Olam, he's going to pay in the, the difference Nezek Shalem. And Tam be Adam Nezek. And Atam be Adam. So there, there's an animal that's a first-time offender. He's going to hit it. He's going to injure a person. So there, there's a machlokas, 
right? For injuring a person, it's possible that if a person owns the animal that injures the person, that there it's not going to be chatzinezik, even though the animal is a tam, right? And therefore, a tam usually pays chatzinezik. By human being in, getting injured from an animal, the case must be different. It might be different. According to Tanakam, it's not different. It's the same that the owner of the animal would have to only pay chatzinezik for the difference. However, Rabbi Kiva Omer af tam shalem. That there, even though the animal, despite it being a tom, if it injures a human being, he's only going to have to pay, he's going to have to pay nezek shalem, even if it's been a tom. The Gemara right away, after all the Mishnah has said, is going to hit up on this last point. This machlokas of Yekiva and Tanakama. As the Gemara says, Tanarabonin, kamishpat lo. Now it all has to do with how you understand the psukim. What's the kamishpat hazeh lo? It says in Shmos Chafal Flamad Alf, oh, right, we're talking about goring here. What's kamishpat hazeh? In accordance with this halacha shall be done. What does that mean? Kamishpat shor b'shor, kach mishpat shor b'adam. Right? So Tanakam is going to say, just the, like the way uh, Tam and Muad pay when two uh, bulls are hitting each other, so too it should make no difference whether that bull is damaging a per, uh, shore or a person. Thus, the Tanakama would say that a short time hitting a person is going to have to pay only Chatzinazik for the difference, as the Gemara continues to explain in the Brisa. Ma shor b'shor, tam eshalom Chatzinazik, muad nezik shalom. Just like when two bulls are fighting, a tam is going to have to pay half, and a muad will pay full. Af shor be'adam, so too, when a shor is hitting an adam, tam eshalom Chatzinazik, muad nezik shalom. That is the Tanakama. However, Rabbi Kiva, Oimer, this is fully reflective of our Mishnah, Kamish Patazeh, Betachton Velo Ke'elyon. Aha. Okay. In other words, right, there's a Tachton and Elyon, meaning uh, right before this, right, there is uh, the case of Tam and the case of Muad. Right? And then it says Kamish Patazeh. When it says Kamish Patazeh, is it modifying, right, the the Tom or is modifying the Muad? Well, it first discusses Tom. That's the Elyon. And then it discusses Muad. That's the Tachtom. So as Rabbi Kiva is saying, it's only when it comes to a Shor Muad that it says Kemish Patazeh. Right? However, right, when it is discussing a Tom, it's not Kemish Patazeh. Now, this idea of equating the injury of an animal to the injury of a human being only applies when the Shor is a Muad. But when the Shor is a Tom, right, it's going to be dissimilar in the sense that a Shor uh, Tom pays Chatzinezik if it injures another shore. Whereas, according to Shita Verbi Kiva, if it injures another human being, it's not Kemish Patazet. It is going to have to pay Nezek Shalem in the shore, Tom, if it injures a human being instead of a shore. So, and then, so the Verbi Kiva continues, Yachal Mesham and Aliyah. So, what are you going to learn from regards to the Tom? So, there you expound the remainder of the Pasuk, Lo. Now, the Zminim and Aliyah is where you pay like the full amount, right, from the choice property. As we've said before in the past, that a short time you only pay and it's limited by the value of the injuring shore. The injuring party is going to limit how much you'll be able to pay. As opposed to minaliyah means whatever damages you cause, you have to pay the actual damages from the choices of your land. That's usually by muad. That, again, it's a hybrid of a tam and muad in a sense, Right? Ya'aselo means that he's going to have to pay, uh, that when a tam injures a human being, he will indeed have to pay Nezek Shalem, but the Ya'aselo teaches you that that Nezek Shalem is not going to come min aliyah as usually is done by a muad, but rather from, uh, the, it's going to be limited by the goof of the, 
of the shore. So in that sense, it is going to be like a tom, right? So again, a tom shore injures a human being. Rabbi Kiva has this hybrid thing where you do have to pay Nezek Shalim, but only Migufo. Uh, so Nezek Shalim like a, like a Muad, but Migufo like a tom. So where are they getting the, the Zeh? Right? Why do I need the Torah to write that? According to Rabbanon, it's going to free it from, the, from having to pay the four things. Aha, uh-huh. you have to pay from injury. In the case of injury, it's going gonna, it's gonna to potter him. Okay? All right? So in other words, an animal injuring a person is not usually have to pay repoy and boshas and those things. That's, that's for human injury. However, so where does Rabbi Kiva learn that? Rabbi Kiva, the poetry of Ma'arvah mumbamito. It's a different Pasuk. The Pasuk says that the idea of paying for those four damages only applies to humans because that's what it says. Yish ba'amito, veloshar ba'amito. Right, that idea that that's limited to human uh, injuries is already, has a different Pasuk that you learn it. So verabonon, why, why are they not learning it from that source? That source does sound pretty explicit, doesn't it, Barry? Says the Gemara, The Gemara answers that if you had only learned it for Ish, Kiten Mumba Amito, you would, might have thought that it's only a payment for Tsar, that that's the only one of the four that you have to pay. But you might say that regarding to, right, all the medical expenses and the unemployment, maybe you have to pay a victim for those things even with an animal, Kamash Malan. No, that that's where you have to understand that this idea of this extra thing of, right, uh, uh, of the Limud before, of Zeh, to teach you uh, the idea that the animals do not pay any of those four things. And, and we've already seen this, Barry, that when it comes to Tsar, Ripui, right, Boshes, and Sheves, so some of those things are more likely than others, right? Um, the most, uh, we said Boshes, right? Boshes has to be real Kavana to embarrass. That's a different thing. Pain also. Right, like pain and suffering. So like who, you know, who, who's to say how to, so in America, we pay for pain and suffering. In Israel, you don't pay for pain and suffering. In Israel, you only pay, uh, according to modern secular Israeli law, you only pay for the money that you lost, yeah. namely the medical expenses and the, and, and the amount of work that you lost. So these, there's gradations of Chiddush there, and it's for that reason, they're going to need the extra Pasuk. Okay. Next Mishnah. Here we go. Goring from Atam. Shor shavim mane shenogach shor shavim atayim. So that's the case we were referring to before. Barry's $100 shor um, actually gives it to Andrew's $200 shor. And really makes the carcass of the shor worthless. No telat shor. Okay, so in the case of, uh, in that case, right, you're going to, this is a case of Atam. Barry's shor seemed very placid. So, now Andrew Shore is worth nothing. Barry owes Andrew the full two hundred, but he doesn't owe him the full two hundred because his shore was a tom, and therefore he only owes him chatsi nezek. Well, sure enough, his shore was worth exactly a hundred zuz, so he just gives him the shore. Give Andrew the shore. Give Andrew the live ox. Okay, right? Anything else wouldn't be enough payment. So it works out perfect, so to speak. So Gemara asks, Mani, who's our Mishnah reflecting Rabbi Kiva? How so? The Tanya, because we learned it, but I say, Yusham Hashor Bevezdin, Divir Rabbi Shmuel. There's a machlokus here about what to do about Barry's live ox. Should it be assessed in Bezdin, and then Barry pays money? That's Rabbi Shmuel. Rabbi Shmuel says, always evaluate how much Barry's ox is worth, and then Barry give Andrew money. Whereas Rabbi Kiva, my Huchla Tashor, that what's happening here, that the Torah is saying that the moment that Barry's 
ox gores Andrew's ox, it's as if Andrew totally owns the ox, right? You don't have to first go and t- it's not as if we're taking Barry's ox to Besden so to determine how much Barry pays Andrew. No, 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 no. The the way it works with this short time that pays me gufo, right, is that it's now Andrew's ox, right? And then Barry maybe, you know, so and, and that's it. And that counts as payment. Okay? That's what's happening. So that's a that's so our mission sounds like a Bikiva, right? It says, no tell to shore. It's Andrew's ox. He takes a live ox. You don't go figure it out and have Barry pay the money. So my my What's the source of Machokas? Now we're gonna get abstract. I'm gonna say, according to Rabbi Shmal, Barry, because his ox gored and because of his uh, need to pay damages to Andrew, is a Baal Chov. It's as if it's as if he borrowed money from Andrew and, he, and, and Andrew's now, right, uh, and, and now he owes him money, right? And therefore he owes him money. Right? He's like a Baal Chov. That's what happens. Rabbi Kiva Sover, no, Shutfinhu. It's not like a Baal Chov. It's now as it's as if Andrew and Barry are partners in the ox, right? And therefore, once the damage is done, if the ox uh, being owned entirely by Andrew is now going to, what, satisfy the, the amount of money that Barry has to pay Andrew, so then Andrew just simply keeps the ox. And here's, the, here's really the crux of it. They are actually arguing on how to read the following Pasuk. The Pasuk says, What happens in the case of a short, of a short time? That you sell the shore and then you split the money. Well, that certainly sounds like Rabbi Shmuel. Sounds like you're selling the shore and then Andrew... Gives him the money. So Rabbi Shmuel suffer the Edina Kabzar Rahmana. But the question is, who are you talking about? Rabbi Shmuel holds that the Torah is referring to the Bezdin. That the Bez you first bring the ox to Bezdin, you bring Barry's ox to Bezdin, and then the Bezdin sells the ox, and then Barry pays from that money to Andrew. No, but Rabbi Kiva learns it very differently. It's a case where Barry and Andrew now go together. As Shutfim in the shore, as partners in the shore, they sell the shore. That's only in the case where it would or wouldn't, where, where the amount that Barry owes isn't exactly the amount. So now uh, that, that, that Andrew deserves. So then you have to go and evaluate, and then you sell it. But if it happens to be that, and, that Andrew's, um, the payment is fully satisfied exactly by the value of a Barry's shore, that works out great. There's Shutfim. And now Barry's, Right, ownership falls off, and Andrew gets his money. So my beinayu, what would be the difference in the case? So he condition is like Yikabenayu. So the rest of the daf is going to discuss right if 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 these joint ownership really means that Andrew owns it. Well, if Andrew owns it, he could be makdish the shore, right? So that is that that's the case. According to Rabbi Shmuel, he can't. According to Rabbi Kiva, who says that there should him in the shore. And that the Azhara, the Pasuk, is on unbearing Andrew to go and sell it. So it's like Andrew's a real owner of this shore. So now, based off of that, we're going to ask questions about Andrew's ownership of this shore upon his shore. Get, right? How much does Andrew own Barry's shore at the moment of this Hezek? So two lines up at the bottom. So according to Rabbi Shmuel, right, who holds that it's Barry's shore still and you have to go to Bezdin, so what would happen if prior to going to Bezin and all of these things, can Barry sell it, right? So it's not Andrew's shore. They're not Shutfin. So you say, Since Rabbi Shemal says that it's really that Barry just owns him money, 
said Machar, so you could say that the shore itself, you could sell it. All, all that Andrew cares about is the cash. Oh, Dilma, perhaps you'll say, as we turn along, give him a base, came in the Mishabad, Lilin Isaac, love Kolkabine. That, no, that the ox is like a lean, right? In other words, and Barry owes Andrew money, right? So does that mean, how do you view the shore? In other words, it's not necessarily just because it, Barry owes Andrew money. It's not as if all of his stuff is now subjugated to Andrew until he pays him off. But certainly maybe you would think that the shore is, because the shore is the involved thing that Barry has to give him. So would you consider the shore almost like a collateral, like Lekuchos, like a lien against the eventual payment where until Barry pays Andrew, he's not allowed to sell it? Says the Gemara, Amar Le, Einu Machar. That, that's right, that you're not allowed to sell the shore. To which the Gemara says, Vatanya Machar Machar. But the Bryce says that Barry can in fact sell it. Choser Vergobo. Rav Nachman says, yeah, he could sell it, but... If Andrew wanted it and he didn't get the money from Barry, he could sure go ahead and take it. Rava cannot believe this. Says Rava, Wait a minute. If it's true that Andrew can go back and collect it from Barry, then in what sense is it sold? That's not real so- sold. Says Rav Nachman, Liridia. As Rashi says, Liridia is that that if Barry sells the shore and the and the person who buys the shore uses it, you know, for his own purposes to plow, right? He doesn't have to give the the value of that to Andrew. Okay, Shmamina, Lava Machar Metatalin Bezin Govan Lamehem. That that the Gemara is can't believe because he says, "Are you saying that if Barry either rents out or lends out or sells the shore or any other metatalin that Bezin could just go ahead?" And take it from him. In other words, we're used to lekuchos, right? We're used to that only being the case with what? With real estate. Uh, how are you replying it now to shore? So the Gemara shiny hasam the commanda so apotiki dummy. In other words, right? It's very unusual to treat this Barry shore as if it's lekuchos, as if it's karka. Where if Barry sold it, Andrew could just go ahead and take it and and confiscate it. That's very unusual. But there are such cases where it's called an apotiki. Apotiki is an amalgamation of the Aramaic words, potia, right? Over here is where you're going to get your, punish, your, your money from, which is almost like you can designate certain metaltalin even as a collateral, and it is that which makes the shore unusual. You can't extrapolate that to all of the metaltalin, but that would make it, uh, in that sense, that's going to make it uh, possible to do it even with a shore. However, the Gemara says that doesn't sound likely. Because <laughs> Rava said, that as we've already learned, that you could do that with an Evan. You could say, this is going to be your collateral. Uh, and then if you sold it, if, if you sold it, the Balchov, Andrew can actually get it. However, Rava said that that would only apply to an Evan, but a shore we treat like metaltalin. Sure, you can't treat like an Evan. As we've already said, Avadim sometimes have some similarities to Karkos, right? In this sense that you could designate as an Apotiki. But could you just designate anything as an Apotiki? No, not a sure. The Gemara says, Evan my time Maybe yes, because why can you do so for an Evan as opposed to, let's say, a toaster? You can't say you get to collect this toaster. So why can you do it with an Evan? Mishub de Islay Kala. Because everybody knows, it's public knowledge, what the Evan's status is. Everybody knows that that's Barry's slave. 
That's also true of an ox that gourd. Once Barry's sure gets a reputation, the whole town knows it. The Torah People call Barry's ox that ox that gores, and therefore it has a bad reputation. That reputation is what enables Andrew to collect it from the person. Because after all, if and if Barry, your sure has that reputation, then it's buyer beware, right? Whenever somebody buys it, they must buy it with the understanding that there's a possibility that this was a goring shore, that somebody's going to come after it to collect from its damages, and it is for that reason that it enables you to designate it as collateral, and therefore, once you've designated such and everybody understands it, Andrew can collect. So we'll resume tomorrow, Bezat Hashem, 10 lines down, on Lamagil and Old Base, and we're going to turn on the afterburners and, of course, catch up. Bezat Hashem. Oh, wow.